Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. I am in Lisbon, where it is quarter past five in the afternoon. Miles is in the US, and I'm going to guess it's quarter past 11? Yes, 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 yes. Spot on. It wasn't a complete guess. I mean, it wasn't like I went, oh, um, you know, 20 to 2 in the afternoon or something. I mean, I'm looking at <laughs> I'm trying to do maths. I'm trying to do what I am on minus minus six. And you have an idea about where I am in the world, so it, it works out. I mean, I, Atlanta, right? I think I've got that down now. I have moved to New Orleans. New Orleans, right, actually. So it's only one hour difference, but it's not that big of a deal. All right. I'll tell you what is a big deal, Miles. And that is the news that's dropped. I'm sure many people are here to tune in to uh, look back on yesterday's uh, US Open play, and we'll be doing that very shortly. Uh, but the first thing I think we should talk about is the news that has just broken which is that the WTA finals uh, has been announced, uh, not a year in advance. We're not talking about WTA finals 2024. We're talking about WTA finals 2023 uh, in a couple of months, but a bit less than a couple of months from now, actually sort of six, seven weeks. Seven or now. so weeks, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Give me some thoughts on, on this. Um, the overwhelming feeling is that it's unfortunate that it feels like it's been rushed and disorganized again. Um, that's the overwhelming negative feeling. Positive feeling is that they finally have somewhere to actually um, put this prestigious event. But it does make you question how much of a priority this prestigious event is if for the second, possibly third year in a row, it's been uh, rolled out well after all the Grand Slams have been underway and just not efficient for what a global leading sports organization as they call themselves the wta a leading sport organization for women across the world it doesn't really kind of go hand in hand with their messages so but happy to see the tennis happy to see the announcement uh i think cancun i mean when you when you hear the word can or you, when you hear about the place cancun mexico i mean you get good vibes so hopefully that translates to the tennis and we get a better showing than we did last year at fort worth uh texas yeah, but Fort Worth, of course, had uh, one or two, you know, organizational, not their fault. You know, the WTA, again, was was short notice, and that explained why some of the exposure there was was limited. I mean, I, I agree with Tumaini here with this tweet uh, about the players deserve more. Absolutely. But everybody deserves more. Everybody. Fans, the fans yeah, deserve everybody. more. The, the organizers, the journalists, you know, I think, you know, tennis organization from top to bottom needs at the very least a spring clean uh but probably more uh, a complete removal and uh change of of house because uh go on anyway miles i'm sure you've got a lot to say what i've just said 
Well, a couple of people have already reached out and said, like, Cancun sounds fun, vacation, sun, which is great. I mean, who ultimately doesn't who would want to pass up the opportunity to go to Cancun? But then I, my my rebuttal and not trying to be a negative Nancy, but who in this economy with a lot of people kind of uh, being off the heels of a pandemic and just in general, the way things are going in the world, who can up and go to Cancun or how many people can actually up and go to Cancun in seven weeks notice to support something that is near and dear to them, even if it is. Um, on a whim and uh, just because you have the time, seven weeks is a, a tight uh, time frame to find flights and accommodations and all of those things. So um, it's just not, it's, it's not great, not great. It becomes a vicious circle as well, Miles, because you'll, the coverage now will be limited as well because, you know, can you imagine a journalist going to his editor who was 50-50 on sending him somewhere anyway, even if he's mm -hmm. not far or she's not far away from Cancun, maybe somewhere in, in, in Texas or somewhere like that. But still, you know, you're going to your editor and it's like six weeks away. No, mate, you, you need to book this a year in advance. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think Cancun is a, a cheap place to kind of exist. I mean, it's Mexico and they have um, different like methods of money and all that stuff. But uh, yeah. It just begs the question, what is going on in leadership? Because if you cannot prioritize your flagship event where it's, you're not competing with the ATP tour, you're not competing with the ITF, this is a WTA square event, you're handing out millions in prize money, and you're waiting until seven weeks to even announce where the event is going to be, it makes you wonder. So it makes you wonder the people that have high ranking in the organization, what exactly are they meeting about? You know, people always joke about like, well, this, this meeting could have been an email. What, <laughs> what are they, e what are they emailing about? Like, what is, what is actually being discussed at the WTA to where things that feel like huge uh, events are being pushed into the last minute. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on and a lot uh, better could be done to Absolutely. everybody. And a lot has been said and will continue to be said about that. But uh, a little uh, silver lining, uh, I would agree with you. I think the events I've seen in Mexico in recent years have always been well attended. Uh, and fingers crossed, uh, they bring the same passion that they have for, for example, Acapulco, Guadalajara as well. Um, and I, did they have the WTA finals as well a couple of years ago? Yeah, Guadalajara in 2021. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Exactly. So. Guadalajara the 1000, but also Guadalajara two years ago, I think was pretty well attended and and a, and a lot of fun. So I'm interested. Crossed. Only thing I'll say to end, the, end this, I wonder which WTA player that we haven't been keeping an eye on is going to contravene her way into the last seven or eight spot into Cancun. Because okay, so what what are we looking at? Who's who are the runners and riders? Who are the who are the likelies and unlikelies? Last time I checked, like right outside the top eight, it was uh, Petra Kvitova, Belinda Bencic, and Daria Kasakina. Based off of her performance at the U.S. Open, I have a feeling that Petra Kvitova probably won't put it in an extra gear or an extra effort to make the WTA Finals because she's won them before and she's played a, a, a more than her fair share. Belinda Bencic, maybe, but she's had some issues with her body, so maybe her body might actually not give her the opportunity to kind of make that extra push for that spot. So it looks like Daria Kasakina, in my mind, might uh, make another appearance at the WTA Finals, and there might be somebody else that kind of catches fire in the... Um, Asian swing that's going back to China, but not ultimately that not ultimately uh, ending in China for the WTA finals. That's a lot of mileage between Asia and Mexico that the WTA players are going to have to uh, compete for for prize money and ranking points. So it'll be cool. interesting to follow along, though. That's for sure. It, it will be very interesting. Yeah. All right. Listen, let's um, switch uh, tack and we'll head over to New York. Uh, we'll begin by, um, if I can download this quick enough, we'll begin by having a look at Anastasia's take on the day's proceedings. And um, and then Miles and I will share our thoughts as well. Okay. I'll bring us both front stage. It says two minutes to download. She's only just uploaded it, bless her. But we will, oh, okay. we will play it. I promise, Miles. Listen, uh, uh, let's get a broader perspective on the uh, on the tournament, and then we'll go into the details. Good tournament or a little bit underwhelming so far? And you can probably tell what I'm thinking, Miles, from the way I framed the question. For the U.S. Open, you mean? Yeah, I I don't think, and I think somebody else. I think Eric, I believe, on Twitter. I don't, I don't can't remember his handle, but I don't know. I think his name is Eric with a K. Um, he said that it was a little underwhelming. 
And I can see that perspective from the competition angle, like especially if you are just joining us in the second week, the quarterfinal matches, I think, between the the winners on the men's and women's single side, only one person dropped a set. And uh, that was Ben Shelton losing uh, a set to Francis Tiafo. That was the highlight of the second week so far. But I, I think the storylines and headlines going into this final weekend are nice because out of the four remaining women and four remaining men, all of them have a lot to gain from lifting that trophy. So I'm about as excited as I ever have been going into a U.S. Open final, especially a U.S. Open final that doesn't involve Rafa or Serena's two of my personal favorites. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens and who lifts the trophy because it's it's history and popularity and a whole bunch of things on the line for everybody that that wins. But I do see the angle that there haven't there haven't been any um, breakout stars like in 2021 with Emirata Kanu and Leila Fernandez, and there hasn't been any must must watch matches or replays of matches like in 2022 with Carlos Alcaraz, Francis Tiafo, Casparud. Even there haven't there haven't been those moments. So you know, I get I get both sides of it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, listen, it can be, it, I'm still very excited by the four women semi-finalists uh, and, and the men's too, but there's 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 four very interesting stories. So I like, I, I completely agree with you, Miles, although Eric, and if, if it's who I think it is, I think it's a Swedish guy, uh, yes, yes. I would probably, I would probably go more with him uh, in terms of looking back, even, even I, I was thinking the last two, and then suddenly I thought about 2020, and I thought... <laughs> Okay, the men's final wasn't the, the the highest caliber, but it was dramatic. And the women's semifinals in 2020 were sensational. Now, they yeah. come in the last couple of days, and that's often how we remember tournaments. So this yet might deliver in 2023. But as you highlighted the narratives in 2021 with with Al, uh, with um Djokovic going for the calendar slam I know he said Alcaraz there maybe that's that's to come in the future um and of course Emma Raducanu Leila Fernandez every single Leila Fernandez was a must watch and then last year as well so many dramatic matches even in the first week Kai Kanepi having match points uh, against Arena Sabalenka is a random I was there for that already. match I was oh, there for you? that one. Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, I thought I'd bring that one up there because there's so many others that I could easily bring up, but I thought I'll just go random in a first-week match. And and I think, uh, was it Shapo and, and Rublev had a good five-setter? Again, I'm trying to go a bit niche here just so everybody knows about the final and and and, 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 yeah. and, the, and everyone knows about Sinner and Agus. But there were just so many of those matches mm-hmm. last year. But even Felix making his first Grand Slam, first and only Grand Slam semifinal was in 2021, Very that cool. run. Yeah, that run. Uh, Sakari making a, a, a U.S. Open semifinal in 2021 as well, and not that being able to keep it does, and not being able to keep her skirt up because she was fidgeting with that the entire tournament. And Raducanu <laughs> took advantage. Uh, um, uh, 2022, obviously, um, the Francis Tiafo story, um, yeah. even the Ch- the Chilich match that he that he played against Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, there's yeah. Th- there there were there were definitely matches and stories, and I can't think of anything outside of the drama of Zverev and Sinner so far this year. I think t- Taylor Townsend um, beating H- Hadad Maya, from what I've heard from yeah. Anast- Anastasia, was very uh, was very nice from the grounds. But I can't think of any match that just kind of had everybody a buzz outside of Tiafo and Shelton. But even that. Um, I streamed it live on a platform called Playback, and there were definitely some great points, but it kind of ended with a whimper in a, in a way because uh, Tiafo just, he didn't start well. He played better in the middle, but in the end, he kind of fizzled out and uh, Shelton was there to take advantage of it. So haven't been any matches that I kind of am running to YouTube to uh, watch <laughs> in, in fulfillment. I will say that. <laughs> All right. Um, good news is I can we can now hone in on day 10 and we'll begin with Anastasia's take on proceedings. Open was the start of a heat wave we'll be getting here over the next few days, and it was hot. The juniors are now the outside courts, and I started with Darwin Blanche playing his first round match against Charlie Camus. Both players are left-handed. U.S. Open was the start of a heat wave we'll be getting here over the next few days, and it was hot. The juniors are now playing. I promise I'll get day 10. 
it it, it it dropped like 30 seconds ago i'm still trying to get it. we'll we'll get it at the, we'll get it at a midway section listen let's hone in on day 10 uh miles um i know ghost is very excited about anastasia's video and it will come at some point in this episode let's just make it random shall we um let's hone in day 10 let's start with the men if, if that's okay with you um and let's start with let's go with uh alcaraz um any surprises in how that panned out Hey Miles, you're on mute. I think you've got yeah. to mute your um, uh, you guys, you guys can't even use my zinger now because I was on mute. Um, I was surprised how much that Alcaraz did not sweat in that match, literally and figuratively. Um, I didn't think that he was going to lose that before the match, during the match, or at any point, because Zverev has shown that he doesn't have in totality all that it takes to hang with Alcaraz, unless he's kind of playing that form that saw him get to the semis at the French Open. But he's been fairly far away from that in 2023 but he um he made it look easy he's actually made most of his u.s open uh defense and uh second time around at the place that made him famous uh he's made it look kind of easy one set drop to dan evans but other than that it's been pretty routine and everything looked pretty pretty simple for him i am keeping an eye on like it looks like he has a light layer of uh strapping or tape on both of his thighs i believe Okay. Um, if not, if, if not one, I think I've looked at some Instagram pictures, which I've, I can't remember the name of this this uh, photographer who takes amazing pictures, and she has a really beautiful uh, uh, water water tag or whatever you call that. That is uh, your signature. But I think I saw some strapping on both thighs. Not anything that's not anything that's Caroline Garcia Lee, level. The lady who took the amazing Rafa and Roger picture last year. No. What's her name? Uh, Ella Ling. I don't think so. Okay. I have to look I have to look it up. But from what I saw from the pictures, it looked like light strapping. Nothing Caroline Garcia 2022-ish, where it was like really uh thick or Elise Cornet strapping. But um yeah, I agree with Matthew. I wouldn't worry about the strapping too much. Cause I mean he was covering the court like a gazelle like he normally does. So <laughs> I'd, I mean I'd, 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 um okay. Uh, interesting comments from, from Medvedev actually came out in his press conference last night referencing Alcaraz, so it's very much related to this. And he just said, look, 97%, and maybe he's even being a bit flattering there, cannot hit through me. And he, he said it in a really modest way. He wasn't boasting. It was just like, this is this is kind of how it is. Carlos Alcaraz can. I mean, it's, it's another element. We all know about the serve and volley that 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 Medvedev is vulnerable to when he plays Carlos in particular, but um, but that's another thing with with just the speed and he he showed it again last night. I mean, there was also a funny comment from Owen Lewis on on Twitter where he said um, Alcaraz mishits the hand, mishits the return because he's diving the wrong way for initially on the serve, so he's he's having to quickly change direction. And yet he's kind of set up a backhand winner as a result. It's a, it's an incredible <laughs> backhand where there's a lot of work to be done. But only Carlos Alcaraz has to be the hashtag with that. The famous Carlos Alcaraz. And also something else that I was watching yesterday and I thought, that's kind of this year I'm seeing it more with Carlos. And that is this incredible attack, particularly on the backhand side on a serve i'm now seeing him sort of jumping in the air about one meter one and a half meters inside the uh the service line and i i don't remember that happening quite so often last year but it was happening so often yesterday on the svedev second serve and yeah i guess sasha was always going to be vulnerable to that on the second serve especially with all of the physical limitations he kind of came into the match with on the heels yeah, at the yannick center and he, I think I specifically remember he was getting like a, a groin rub down or something. There was a pause in between the second and third set for him to kind of yeah. get uh, some attention. But yeah, he never looked like he had uh, much skin in the game. And um, I, I think he maybe felt like it because his his parting words to Carlos Alcaraz at the net were, go win it. So, yeah. You know. So I, he also, maybe I there, there might be a strategic behind that, though, because sometimes you kind of jinx your opponent. So maybe he meant to jinx him. Who knows? <laughs> maybe he doesn't <laughs> like him. But actually, I think they have a pretty good relationship. I know uh, they played golf recently and uh, they were there tips on how to beat Daniel Medvedev and at the time Sasha Julie did uh talking of which uh Daniel Medvedev is next up for Carlos because he had his 
routine. Uh, I know they have met a couple of times where Rublev has won, but by and large, Daniel Medvedev does dominate Rublev and Rublev rolls over and has his belly tickled uh, by uh, Daniel. And they go back a long way as well. But uh, I don't know how things were for them when they were kids. But um, yesterday, once again, Daniel Medvedev dominated uh, Andre Rublev. It was a very strange match that provided most of my white noise while I did other things in the background. Because every time I, I looked in, there was not anywhere near enough variation in the point construction, which I think uh, is a testament to why that matchup is so awkward for Rublev, because he's playing a more... I'm trying to think of a word to describe Medvedev, because they're similar, but also very different. Um, they both are allergic allergic to the net in some ways, and I'm, that's not my favorite kind of tennis to watch. But uh, Rublev struggled, and I think both of them, not even think, I know both of them struggled in the conditions. I mean, at one point, Medvedev had his shoes off, his shirt off. I'm not, I don't think he would have been able to take his shorts off because that would have been against some kind of ATP rule. But oh, yeah, um, for sure. The towel over his head, that was very funny. Yeah, he looked miserable. Both of them looked miserable. And for a three-set match, literally, that none of the scores went even to five all, uh, (laughs) that was an indication that it was uh, some tough, tough conditions. I think even Medvedev on the court, after he won the interview, he immediately was like, yeah, I can't think of anything worse. Maybe Tokyo in 2020, the Olympics. Uh, That was pretty sticky and uh, not pleasant for a lot of people. But Rublev... I've seen Rublev be up. Everybody has seen Rublev be upset after match point, but that particular match point, I think it kind of like it was tattooed in his in his head or on his forehead that he's now zero and nine in major quarterfinals. That's right. So yeah. That, yeah, that's that's that can't be a good feeling. So yeah, um, and the there was a the other sort of unusual element was um he was kind of up in each set. Uh, uh, yes. Break. Yeah. So it's. There, with that example, it's kind of odd because, you know, when we talk about matchup issues or ability differences or even maybe the occasion to some extent, you know, you don't normally go up a break. You know, when we see, uh, yeah, Ghosty here just saying 0 and 9 for, for quarterfinals, when we see something like a Taylor Fritz Djokovic situation or, or perhaps even let's, let's make it even starker, uh, Monfils um, Djokovic or, or um, who's it Nadal um, uh, beats every time? Um, yes, game. Gasquet. Yeah, I mean, you don't see Gasquet going a break up in each set. It's fairly, he might he might get a break somewhere along the line, but he doesn't have those kind of opportunities because they're just to be there, really. I mean, anyway, poor Andre. Um, I think this is a good time between, as we as we gravitate towards the women to have a look at Anastasia's uh, presentation of yesterday's play. Optimistic this time. It will work. And I just have to click present and I have to go video file. And I have to choose day 10 and not day eight. Here we go. Of the US Open or day two of the heat wave. It's impossible to talk about day 10 without discussing the heat. The high today was 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 38 degrees Celsius. Sitting comfortably as an audience member is barely possible. I'm not sure how tennis was being played. Started on Ash with Arena and Queen Wen. Sabalenka was firing on all cylinders and was too much for Queen Wen, who was not having a good serving day. And when facing a player who can return her power, it was not much of a contest. The roof was half closed on Ash, but all that did was trap in the humidity and create a sweat box. I took breaks in the hallways, which were much cooler and also on Louis Armstrong, which was featuring doubles. Then it was back to the sweat box for a match between Andre Rublev and Daniil Medvedev. This was the worst match I've watched this tournament due to the conditions. The first set won by Daniil looked tedious and I needed a break in between. So it was back to Louis Armstrong for some doubles. I returned to Ash to what seemed like a death march. Andre kept collapsing into his serve and just looked cooked. Daniil had to use his inhaler twice. 
a fan fainted in the stands, and I was just glad when it was all over. I tried to find the joy in tennis again by watching Takita Oda in wheelchair doubles, but quickly called it a day after the first set tiebreak. TBD if I come back tomorrow, which will be day three of the heat wave. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, well, well. I love some of uh, that commentary. And look, look who, what's going on here? Who's this imposter, um, somebody coming in and, and taking our space? Uh, what's going on here, Nick? How are you doing? I, I, I'm I sorry I've logged into the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, hey, he Nick. spoke to me on BBC. <laughs> How are you doing, Nick? Oh, I'm, I'm doing good, thanks. I've literally just finished work, um, but I couldn't uh, resist the opportunity to talk about tennis. Cool. Nick, you didn't get the backwards hat and blue shirt memo, did you? Yes, I, I, I didn't expect him to be here, so he didn't get the memo. Yeah, blue. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. You mean, I, this is kind of, this is this is very dark blue. Um, okay. The hat, I probably have a hat somewhere. <laughs> I don't Let it know. Fly today. Do you, Nick? I can't see you with a baseball yeah, cap. Yeah, I've never seen you. I've never seen you with the hat, I don't think. I, 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 I haven't worn a baseball cap since I was a teenager. So bubble like last hat. week, a, got it. A bubble hat. Do you know what a bubble hat is, Miles? Yes. A bubble the, hat? The little, a bubble hat is that little, the, the sort of winter hat that you have, uh, but with a like a, a bobbly thing on top. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, do you get them in, in New Orleans? I don't know. No, it never really gets that. We can wear like a, uh, we call them like beanies or scullies sometimes. Got but, it. But yeah. it just depends. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't think our viewers are here to hear about beanies and bobble hats. I don't think. I do think that they're here. I mean, you never know, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> we, sometimes we talk tennis and we hemorrhage viewers and we talk about bobble hats and, and ABBA songs and, and people start tuning in. So who knows? Um, we are going to transition, though, back to the tennis. I will begin with, with you, Miles, though. Uh, give me your thoughts uh, initially on uh, Sabalenka's straight sets win over Kim Wenchang. Impressive, dominating. Um, I was a tad bit worried that maybe some of the semifinal demons or issues she's had may come through in the quarterfinal because she was not only dealing with an opponent who's looked pretty good, but also playing her second match as like the number one to be. So I thought maybe that might creep up in her mind, especially given the fact that her serve has had moments of being shaky. And I was listening to something today that said basically like the yips in your serve never fully, fully go away. It's always something you're thinking about. So, uh, yeah, but but impressive and very impressive. She looked absolutely at peace with everything and, and finding fun in the moments of the the potential pressure that she's going to have come her way if she leaves New York with the trophy and the number one ranking. She was talking to the uh, ESPN team directly after the match and was probably one of my favorite interviews and kind of uh, moments from her this season. So impressive, impressive, and looking forward to how she plays tonight in the semifinal. It's a fifth consecutive Grand Slam semi-final as well. There's, there's very many angles you can put on Arena Sabalenka and they're pretty much all positive, but it's a fifth consecutive semi-final as well, bearing in mind that she was in New York. Set a breakup as well in the third. I'm sure you remember that, Nick, against Eager this time last year. Um, uh, one thing over to you, Nick. One thing I would say in, in addition to what Miles said is I, I said it to Caitlin Thompson at the day, two days after she won in Australia. Uh, by the way, when I say one in Australia, I mean Arena Sabalenka. Caitlin Thompson didn't win the Australian Open. Not to the best of my knowledge, anyway. Maybe there's a parallel universe out there with Caitlin Thompson and the Australian Open. But um, with her back yeah, end, she I, could do it. <laughs> yeah, well, she's a, I punish she's a handy tennis player. But listen, mm-hmm. um, I said that I felt, and Nick will get this reference, I think. 
I felt a sort of, uh, uh, rather than someone like Dominic Team who probably got over the line and just went, you know what, this is great. And I'm sure many tennis players feel like that. And then just, you know, enjoy the rest of their careers or at least the next few months. I saw it as being the most dangerous version of a Now we've got someone who's going to still be super motivated and yet probably a little bit calmer in the most important moments. We have still seen a couple of wobbles, but five Grand Slam semifinals in a row, Nick, is, is very, very impressive. I mean, Sabalenka is officially uh, a top player and... Uh, five, yeah, five Grand Slam semi-finals in a row. Um, you know, this is the kind of consistency that we were seeing um, sort of 10, 20 years ago from players like Serena Williams, Justine Enan, um, maybe even like 10 years ago with Azarenka and Sharapova. I, yeah, it's just super impressive. Uh, I agree with you on your assessment that she it looks very assured with her status as such. I don't think world number one is going to be that much of a burden on her. Um, I think that the problems that she's had in those most recent two semifinals were match-specific, not mentality-specific, and um, and to do with how the opponents were dealing with um, everything on the day. Um, I think Sabalenka... I think I put this in a in a tweet. I basically said that Sabalenka can only get brought down by someone playing an incredible level of tennis. Uh, I'm not super convinced Madison Keys is going to be able to do that. I love Madison Keys, um, but um, and I love Madison Keys. I would be over the moon if she did well and she did it. Um, but I don't see that as being as likely as maybe Goff or Mukova doing it in the final. And even then, that's that's it's going to be an almighty battle if it happens. Um, Arena's only been taken down in three sets. Uh, yeah, she is right now the best in the world. Fair enough. I think so. I just, I don't know if sometimes I have more baggage than the players do or if they have more baggage. But I've watched a lot of Sabalenka matches and I always reserve the ability for things to just go off the off the the rails and I, I think she's distanced herself from such dramatic of uh, such dramatic showings of that but it's still possible and i think madison keys probably won't do it but somebody like coco golf or muhova that just did it at the french open may kind of pull it out of her but she seems very assured of herself and has able to kind of write write the ship as much as she's able to um, or as many as many times and as many Grand Slam matches that she's won this year, she's kind of right at the ship. But I think it'll be interesting to see what happens if she's in a position of like really dominating or leading that semifinal tonight. Um, we'll see what happens. Madison Keys isn't the person I think of when it when in terms of like really digging out uh match points or coming down from a break. I don't really think of that because it takes a certain level of consistency to put the ball back in play, and that's not necessarily her strong suit all the way. But we'll see. I'm interested in the big babe tennis of it all. And whoever comes out on top of that, I think, will be a uh, a good watch in the final. Most last time a WTA player reached all the semis and slams in the same year, 2016 Serena. Yeah, that was obvious. Uh, that was like Serena. Yeah, she was the last player with that kind of level of consistency. Uh, yeah, I I agree with you. I can't think of the last time I've seen a Sabalenka major self destruction. I'm going to say it's been over a year, to be honest. That that Roland Garros semi was I, I'd put it in the folder of a break. I mean, Muhova definitely played her way into that, but I think at one point. Sabalenka lost like 20 of like maybe 25 points or something like that in that third set. So I would I would put that one in a kind of a, a meltdown. A, a, not a major one because we've seen worse, but I she definitely lost the plot. So there's there's room there for something to happen. Maybe. I I'm still giving Book of a credit for that one, to be honest. More credit than than uh Sabalenka melting down. Um maybe. I I, I think Mukova handled the conditions, particularly in the final set, better than Sabalenka did. Um, so uh, I think, I don't know. I don't remember that match very well, to be honest. 
I called it here on Talking Tennis with our dearly departed friend, Jakob, and I enjoyed that match from beginning to end. And we were, both of us were quite shocked at how Sabalink kind of lost the plot. So that's why that match sticks out in my, in my head so much, because I was going to be really impressed that Sabalenka got to a Roland Garros final and she was almost there and didn't happen. So I'm interested to see what happens if she gets to the precipice of another Grand Slam final and it's not Magdalenette across the net. So much respect to Magdalenette, but you know, even she jokes at her form. I think she, I think somebody said, I think there was a U.S. Open tweet that was like, uh, what, is, what are they looking at or what are they trying to find on, behind some binoculars? And she said, my form from January. So at least she's having a joke from it. <laughs> I'd like to point out the difference maybe with this key semifinal is Keys plays very differently to Jabir and Mukova. Um, Mukova so. and Jabir are master disruptors. And I think that might help Sabalenka and the keys is going to be a little more predictable in what she throws at her. Whereas, well, Mukova, we, Mukova we is famed for her variety, Ons even more so. Um, and when they absolutely bring it, they can definitely frustrate Sabalenka. Whereas I think Keyes is going to try and play Sabalenka at her own game. Um, I think that if Sabalenka does self-destruct, it would be have to be on a bigger scale. Otherwise... I'm still I'm still backing her to do it. Either that or Keys plays the match of her life. Which she's she looked she's looked she looked really good in in taking out Pagula and followed that up with a really impressive performance over Von Drusova. And I don't know, maybe they both self-struck at the same time. And it's about who keeps it all together uh for a Grand Slam final. I think there's a lot on the line for Madison Keys, but she may be playing a little bit freer because she made a comment impressed that she's so happy that no one's talking about her anymore anymore like going into slams um she, there are people talking about coco golf and pagula and all those things so maybe she on one side of her brain feels like i have nothing to lose i'm i'm playing the current slash future world number one but on the other side um maybe this is more me thinking about it than she is but i do think it's possible that she thinks how many more u.s open semifinals am i going to get to so I need to use this opportunity to uh, the best of my advantage. And sometimes when you're thinking about that, um, it can kind of tighten you up. And a tight Madison Keys does not play well. So, Nick, nor um, does a tight Sabalenka. <laughs> just Nick, just having a quick look at um, Sabalenka's run. It's without dropping a set, but maybe not the most difficult run to a Grand Slam semifinal and maybe even a final as well. Nick, is that being harsh? I've seen tougher draws. I've also seen <laughs> easier draws. I think Australia was easier. Um, okay. quarterfinal. Yeah, Lynette. Vekic, Vekic, Lynette, yeah. Did she beat Benchich on the way as well? I could have sworn she did, yeah. She did. She, I could have sworn she did she beat Benchich, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think Kasatkina could have been a tough opponent, but Sapolanka had a great day and did what she needed to do. And Zheng... Jung could have been the chaos factor, um, but um, Sabalenka dealt with it pretty well. So I'm going to say that, uh, yeah, did she have as tough a draw as Coco Goff? Or uh, no. Um, but I I think that there are still some really... Kasakina and Jung were, were still potential banana skins and she um, navigated them with aplomb. Um, the first three rounds in any Grand Slam for a top player don't usually count. I mean, the Jody, is it Jody Burridge? Jamie? Yeah. Jody. Jody? You're just erasing her from the map. And she took three games off of Sabalenka there. So, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Nerlan, uh, I have a, a thing that uh, will address your point. Uh, for me, uh, melons, wonderful fruit, love them. Uh, watermelons can uh, go away. Uh, there's an English expression that I won't use right now, and I'll tell you why. It's the the goddamn pips. They're just, just they're just there, been put on earth to annoy us. So <laughs> for me, it's an easy one. I wouldn't even have bought a watermelon. Uh, watermelons just make me mad. Um, maybe like uh, maybe I don't know. Anyway, they just make me mad. That's it. End of story on the wet melons. We'll get back to the tennis. Uh, there is going to be someone on the other side of the net to Arena Sabalenka tonight, and of course that is Madison Keys. Miles, what did you make of her straight sets win over Von Drusova last night? Impressive, heavy, forehanding, great serving. Uh, not I wouldn't even consider it a wobble. 
um, more so like a realization that she was cruising in the match when she got to like four all or something. I think Von Drusova tried her best to uh, to give one last push, but Keys was in control. She has a nice balance now of realizing when to extend a point and having a better option of doing so. And I think Mary Jo Fernandez mentioned this in commentary that she's purposefully slicing her backhand sometimes when she's pushed out further wide in the court, which I've never seen her do. Um, so I think that's a nice wrinkle in her game. And there was also a conversation being had because the, the camera panned to uh, Lindsay Davenport, who was in the audience watching. And I believe uh, that Chris Everett, yeah, Chris Everett was leading this conversation and said that Madison Keys is the kind of the person that needs to listen more and then turn that listening into belief. And I don't think that if you would think that uh, Lindsay Davenport, a Hall of Famer, multiple multiple time Grand Slam champion, would kind of get through to her and tell her these are the tactics you need to play um, instead of Madison Keys kind of believing that she knows best and how her game can translate to the tour. But it didn't always work that way. But now she's engaged to her coach, a, a challenger tour professional, Bjorn Frantangelo. And I made a comment that pillow talk must really be working because I think the conversations that they're probably having on the court in practice about tactics and like really, really, really bringing the best out of her game in this time on the WTA tour is almost just enhanced even more once they leave the court because you're talking to that same person. So I don't, I, I can't imagine Lindsay Davenport and Madison Keys at any pillow talk, but I can imagine that Madison Keys and Bjorn Frantangelo have plenty of it because, you know, they're engaged and she has a really nice ring on her finger. So all of that to say, I think she's listening to tactics and really implementing them in matches while still doing the things that make her comfortable and make her game so effective. And if she's doing that um, against Sabalenka, I don't think she'll blow her off the court because Sabalenka has more than enough of her own firepower but you can definitely ask the questions of sabalenka kind of you know can you keep up uh if i find my my highest gear and i think both of them in high gear is going to be a great match to watch judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whilst John is talking to himself, um, <laughs> I... Um, yeah, I I can see I can see that scenario happening. I I really like uh, how positive Madison Keys is right now, and actually, she even um, cursed on the court. She she cursed. I, I don't think I've ever heard her curse. She said that uh, I think Renee Stubbs asked her about the uh, the what do you call it? the roof <laughs> and the mm -hmm. amount of people talking. And I think she, she mentioned Bjorn Frantangelo trying to give her coaching and she said she couldn't hear shit. And I didn't, I've never heard her even say the word shit on a microphone before. So the, um, maybe that's a sign that she's relaxed. Yes, um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think, I think we might need to evaluate Keyes' season as being one of her best. She's now reached two, Grand Slam quarterfinals, now semi-final. Again, it's a sixth of her career. She's won Eastbourne. It's slowly gotten... She's been quite anonymous through the, the first part of the year, but the second half, she's kind of, you know, drawn some attention to herself and said, hey, I'm still here. And I think she's going to be up to nine in the race, um, mm. which, you know, still a few points behind Shabur, but puts her into an interesting position when they get to Guadalajara in two weeks, which blows my mind that we're going to a 1,000 two weeks after a major. Um, well, that's a discussion for maybe uh, WTA Weekly um, on Monday. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think that we have to talk about, I don't know what other seasons, key, obviously 2017 comes to mind when she reached the US Open final, maybe 2015. Um, but yeah, Keys has this habit of just reminding us Mm -hmm. of how good she is every now and again. And we go, oh, yeah, Maddie Keys, the the one who we all backed to win at Grand Slam about 10 years ago. I, 
if she wins this U.S. Open, I feel like some people are going to be like, yay, finally. And some people are going to be like, I told you so. Um, maybe it just took a little bit longer to say that I told you so. But she's always had the kind of caliber of tennis to win a, a major. I just think sometimes she's gotten tough draws and sometimes she's just been her own worst enemy and not really uh, had the the mentality to just put an extra ball in play, you know? That US Open 2017 final, she was like a rabbit in the headlights, yeah. really, to be honest. that She didn't handle that situation well. Um, I'm not going to say she definitely would have won because Sloan was doing something really special that tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's going to be, uh, but you know, she's going to, she's going to have redeemed herself either way. And yeah, John's right. Whichever the four remaining ones wins, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great trophy lift. Whoever wins it, whoever lifts it. And I like Madison Keys's dress quite a lot. <laughs> um, John was asking about uh, Von Drusheva's injury concerns. Um, I mean, I, I'm not massively worried. Yes, yeah, she had to pull out the doubles, I think, but she played, uh, she played the court, she played the quarterfinal. She made the second set close ish. Um, I think she just needs some decent recovery time and she'll be fine. I don't see this as significant. That being said, um, she, you know, she does have a history of, you know, being injured. Was it a, she key has a history of just being incons- like inconspicuous? Like I didn't even know that her getting to a quarterfinal. I'm not saying it would be impossible. I just still don't know where to place her. And the fact that she's actually won Wimbledon and has that title in her back pocket has just made it even more of a scramble in my head of how to place her when I see her name in a draw. So I would put Fondrushiva in the kind of consistent gets the job done up to a certain point category, a bit like Pagula. Really? Yeah. I think I, I can think of like 10 or 15 more players that I would say are more consistent than Van Drusseva. I wouldn't have thought that before <laughs> Wimbledon. I think that now. Even though Wimbledon... The hard courts. Yeah. Even though Wimbledon is a massive tournament to win, I still err on the side of one tournament win does not change my perception yeah, of you is, being this consistent. This is Wimbledon only. This is Wimbledon plus... Montreal and Cincinnati. If she gives me one, if she gives me one more tournament, whether that be a one thousand or like the Australian Open coming up, and she kind of plays to her seating, whether she wins it or not, or or she she needs to go to her seating, then I'll kind of be squarely on the the wagon of Van Drusseva being consistent. But we've seen this before, where she kind of like gives us a a, a hot streak and then it kind of goes away and you're like oh yeah she was good what happened to her um bring, bring she, on she's young enough, Guadalajara so. then um yeah she's probably gonna be in uh Cancun actually she'll probably make mm-hmm. it so and there's another 1000 it's actually a WTA mandatory 1000 in October Beijing that's oh uh, I forgot that, about that, that one yeah 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 that's on the calendar again um so there you go yeah so th- those three times I mean like if she she gets the semi-finals in Cancun that would um blow uh, most of our, everyone's minds. Um, I think going back to John's question of was the injury key to her loss, um, to be honest, in my view, um, I don't think, I think it massively held her back. Um, I think it made it harder for her to win, but I think Madison was keys to her loss. Yeah, Madison held the keys, yeah. <laughs> so we'll get the obvious joke out of the way and... <laughs> uh, Move on. So, uh, yeah, Von Drosheva, um still in the mix. I would say. I think. Look, she's she's going to go up to. She's going to. She's solidified her as top eight. I think to the end of the year, pretty much. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, what about uh, the other semi-final? I think we've we've kind of danced around this one. This is the one we're hyped for. This is the one that Miles wants to talk about. Um, so should we talk about Caroline Booker first? Uh, we can, we can, we can. I, I, we can. I'm not being super serious, but maybe. Um, That's a player who I actually do feel like has changed my perception of her. Because um, if I look at her, see, her her career so far, she's had really impressive highs, not to the point of like actually lifting the trophy. She's she's come up short a couple different times. Obviously, Roland Garros, Cincinnati, just a couple weeks ago. I think she only has one title in Prague back in 2019, which isn't 
great for a player that's in the top 10, uh, has shades of soccer, I guess. But when I see her play, I complete I see a complete player in every facet that is going to trouble everyone around her um, and has the ability to trouble everyone around her. Um, maybe even when she's not necessarily playing her best. And I think that's the difference between her and Von Drusteva. Same flag, different player. Um, mm. I think if she's feeling good and didn't wake up today and said, ouch, uh, from soreness or whatever, I think she takes what she learned from Coco Golf or from the Coco Golf match in Cincinnati, applies it, and makes that match very athletic because that's what she does really, really well. Um yeah, I, I think she mixes the height and structure up of the ball, and she does a really, really good job of making things gritty and fun to watch, to me. The key difference between Mukova and Sakari is I can't think of any scenario where Mukova's faded or been like a rabbit in the headlights or been completely outplayed um, when she's you know physically on. Um, and I think she's had an easier run through this draw than I think I've ever I've seen her in recent years. She's only dropped the one set. That was to one she knew. I was a little bit surprised she dropped that set, to be honest. Me too. Me too. Um, but the rest of her draw has been pretty impressive, the way she handled it, especially the way she came back against Taylor Townsend, because that was not a good start for her and she still won the opening set. Yeah, um, yeah I think she's... I, I I'm I know I, I know how I think the semifinal is going to go, but I'm not super confident in that prediction, and that's because I know that Mukova is just dangerous and won't give up, and I think she is going to come into this um, fairly fresh. I think she's another player that everyone's kind of going. Finally, she's showing us what mm-hmm. um, she's showing us a lot of potential, um, and I think if she did come through, that might set maybe more alarm bells for Sakari off because Mukova's on a winning run against Sak- uh, not Sakari, Sabalenka. Um, w- more alarm bells for Sabalenka because Mukova's beaten her the last two times they've played. Um, mm-hmm. in, in Cincinnati, in Cincinnati and Roland Garros, yeah. yeah. Uh, though that's, you know, that might be a bit of a, oh no, it's you again type. Sometimes vibe. that'll make you alert though. If I mean mm-hmm. Sabalenka looks like the kind of competitor that absolutely like winning winning once annoys her, winning twice or lo- excuse me, losing once annoys her, losing twice in a row absolutely uh kind of you know puts the red alarm on for her to to do her absolute best and kind of put the absolute effort out there. Um and coincidentally with Coco Golf, I feel like beating a player like Mukova affirms how good Coco Goff actually is. She said some things in press that reminds me that we're literally in the mind of a 19-year-old because she has this this interesting juxtaposition of being able to sound really, like, wise beyond her years and then a couple minutes later sound like an actual 19-year-old. And she said something about, like, uh, I know I've tangents a little bit, but we're talking about the semifinal. She said that, when she dreamed about tennis, she never even thought about playing in front of crowds. She didn't think about uh, expectations of sponsors and all those things. She only thought about putting her hands on trophies. And I think that gives me a glimpse into how she views herself as a top athlete. Like, yes, she wants to win, but I feel like she is in the middle of realizing that she can, for example, beat Ostapenko love and two if Ostapenko or love and three if Ostapenko is not on her game. And knowing that she just beat Muhova in Cincinnati should kind of like level up that process of realizing that, hey, like, yes, I'm Coco Golf and I'm super athletic, but I also am a really, really good tactical tennis player. And she's enjoying herself out there. So all of that combined, obviously, me not being biased as a fan, I give her the edge. But I, I I think the match is going to be wildly entertaining and hopefully sets the tone for another great women's semifinal at the U.S. Open, hopefully. This is the match I'm planning on trying to stay awake for. I don't know how successful I'm going to be. Well, but... okay. I have a small plug, if you let me have a small plug. <laughs> there is there is a platform, an app, iOS and Android, I believe, called Playback, P-L-A-Y-B-A-C-K. And I will be streaming live the... Both, both of the women's semifinals. Um, it's a really cool platform. You're a- actually able to watch me, watch the match in real time and actually see the ESPN coverage. I did it for the first time in Shelton and Tiafo's match the other day. And it's really, really awesome. So if you're up and alert for that, 
come over and join me and it's free all, Who's all you need on this one for talking tennis <laughs> me <laughs> yeah no we do have a commentary as well um and i think oh you do um, you do you do you do you do yeah, yeah, yeah. no no don't worry miles no no i'm i'm, I'm saying big it up too you, you listen whenever yeah, whatever platforms it's all a big love in here but yeah no we will have it but i'm just trying to think if it's me and damien or damien and someone else but we have got it too as well but yeah of course miles miles is that you predicting a coco golf win by the way yeah mm -hmm. i feel confident you, uh i am predicting um a coco golf win but i think there's going to be at least one tie break involved um i think it's not going to be an easy win uh, what I was going to say about, and I think the reason why I'm cautious about it, because Goff has looked really good, but Mukhova has also looked good. And that's why I'm reluctant to kind of uh, securely plant my flag in the ground there. Um, but something I've observed about Goff during this, this run through the draw is we've always known that she's had a fighting spirit. And I think that fighting spirit has helped her win matches between the age of 15 to 19, mm -hmm. um, despite holes in her game whereas now i'm seeing an element of steel that element that, that that sort of look in her eyes of i'm coming for this mm -hmm. the same kind of look that i used to see from serena um or um you know uh, your know, other great champions um of the past um and uh I think she's. I think she's coming for this, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, Mukova's performance in the quarterfinal though was pretty, pretty good. It was sensational. Actually, I was really pumped by the. It was. It was six love, six three. But listen, it was a really close first set. I mean, there was one twenty-minute game in there, but the <laughs> variety with which Mukova can bring is incredible. However, like you two. I am just edging towards a Coco win, possibly in three sets as opposed to the straight sets that she had uh, recently in Cincinnati. But hopefully it it delivers. And like I say, I, I think all four, um, you know, have a narrative now going into the semifinals. And whoever, as Miles suggested, lifts the trophy on, on Saturday evening, it's going to be a great story. I guess with Madison Keys and Mukova, there's sort of, five six seven eight nine years of 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 Work. pursuing this <laughs> yeah. and i do think with coco and definitely with sabalenka even though she's obviously much older than coco their their time will come again and, and and i'm very optimistic now about coco's chances anyway uh one day very soon and i think also i think sabalenka will end up being a multiple grandstand winner i guess madison keys is the is the sort of fourth one in this this yeah it, like, she is the fourth one she's got to get one of these yeah i i, I feel like if madison key i'm not going to say it's never going to happen for her again because she's not she's not like 33 i think madison is 27 or 28 one of the two so she yeah, still she has 28 yeah, she still has effectively like three or four more U.S. Opens to have to to play if if her body allows her to and she's healthy and she has the desire. But this does feel like a really great opportunity because there isn't a there is a world number one that she's literally playing and in some ways there isn't because Sabalenka has been consistent, but she hasn't she doesn't have the same aura. And I think you're gonna love this sentence. She doesn't have the same aura of Iga Swiatek, even though Madison Keys has a hardcore win over Iga Swiatek. I would put Swiatek as a much dominant favor favorite over Madison Keys if she was in that position playing the semifinal. Whereas a Sabalenka and Keys matchup gives me a little bit more hope for for Keys. So I think Keys is maybe putting all of that together, like I've said previously, in her head. I do feel like like what John was saying earlier. Sabalenka and Coco Golf, especially Coco Golf, should definitely reach another U.S. Open semifinal in their careers, probably two or three more. But with Keys and Mukova, you know, it's it's way more questionable, way more questionable for sure. Yeah, I mean, if I'm gonna rank the semifinalists in order of most to least likely to win, and this is based on purely my head and nothing to do with my heart. One Sabalenka, two Goff, three Mukova, four Keys. I'd switch Mukova and Keys, but yes. You think Keys is more likely to win than Mukova? 
only because she's been in the final before and she's had three semifinals here. And I think she has, but she doesn't have three semifinals at the U.S. Open. True. Um, I, so yeah, I feel like I, that that tells me that tells me that she likes the conditions, um, and it's it's like it, there's evidence that she likes the conditions. So I give Mukova at number four, but not a complete far and away number four. Mukova, I don't think it's completely far and away. So I, let's face it, none of these women would be a surprise champion, really. Yeah, given the seasons that okay. they've had, given given the seasons that they've had, or their overall aura as a player, a- a.k.a. Madison Keys. Madison, Madison Keys has not had a bad season, um, but she hasn't had a splendiferous season, and Coco Golf has not had, well, she's had, the, in some ways, the worst season of her life, because if we were recording this Talking Tennis episode five months ago, we would not be feeling like Coco Golf is going to be in the semifinals of a major. I, we would not be feeling that. Even though she made the quarters of the French, I, going into the French, I didn't see that coming, really, or I didn't feel confident in pro- in projecting it, and now we're here, and I feel confident putting her in a Grand Slam final. So, you know what the main deciding factor of this is going to be is the fact that Madison Keys is the only one of these four semifinals that wasn't in my power rankings, and judging by previous slams, that means she's probably going to come to either win it or take it to a third set because that's what's happened the last two. <laughs> I would not be mad at it. I'd be. I'd, I'd encourage I would be it. But I am with you, Nick. Unusually, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable right now, but I am with you, Nick, on your order of, of most likely. I would put Mukova ahead of Keys. Um, maybe it's just, it's. I know that Keys got to the quarters at Wimbledon this year, but it mm-hmm. does feel like a while since we've seen a sustained period from her. And by the way, Miles, you say five months with Coco Golf, probably even two months. I mean, yeah. first round exit at Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, was a sort of new low and and I know she got to the quarters in, in, in Paris, but that was an outlier in what was a disappointing clay court season, I think, for Coco. Um so it's just incredible what's happened. It's been an interesting it's been an interesting season because she's won three titles, uh Auckland, DC and Cincinnati. But in between all of that, and it's crazy how tennis works and what part of the reason I love it, there's definitely been some head scratching <laughs> lows and head scratching losses. So very, very interesting season for the teenager. The Badosa defeat in Madrid was particularly painful to watch. So it's just and has aged how... poorly, aged poorly because <laughs> yeah. Badosa is where yeah, exactly. she is right now. So <laughs> exactly. All right, cool. We're just about to approach the hour mark. I do think we've pretty much covered everything. We did the men's semifinals uh, before Nick arrived, and if you are just tuning in, uh, go back to the beginning and um, and check that out, and also get in the comment section below. Uh, whether you agree or disagree uh, with any of our thoughts on yesterday's action, but also the upcoming action today. Uh, Nick, any final thoughts we, before we put this show to a close? Uh, I think that I think we've covered everything. I'm super excited for all these semifinals. Um, like I said, I think there's a story to each one of these players. Um, and yeah, I just hope I can stay awake for East some of Goff versus... Bukova, I'm not going to make it to Sabalenka versus Keys. No disrespect to either player, but there is a certain point. Um, what time does where... that put it for you guys? Like, what what what, what time so does that put it? The night session starts at midnight. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, yeah, that's tough. It then so becomes you... <laughs> twenty past midnight by the time the first ball is hit. Three. Yeah, seven. that's tough. How is Australia works or better? Australia's right. day session starts at midnight. Um, the night session starts at around 8 a.m. But the whole viewing experience, I think, Miles, is worse for Australia because at least for nine days of the U.S. Open, we get a good sort of 5 p.m. till midnight lovely section, if you like, in the first week in particular. So mm-hmm. my opinion, I mean, other people, depends on your, your circumstances, doesn't it? I mean, but um, New Australia is basically, if you do have a sort of nine to five, it's kind of weekends only. And you might catch up on the news in the morning, but it's the trickier one of the two slams. Yeah. All right. All right, cool. Miles, any, any final thoughts? Anyone remember Mara Santangelo? Uh, no. no. No relation to Bjorn Frantangelo? No one no one remembers. I think that was her name, Mara Santangelo. I remember it vividly because she was one of, I think she was the first round opponent of Serena Williams in the 2007 Australian Open. And... She went on to win that tournament. Only reason I thought about her was because we were talking about Bjorn Frantangelo, who is the fiance of Madison Keys. And maybe because all of that came to me, Madison Keys is the future U.S. Open champion. So. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, on that bombshell, uh, Nick, do you want to come out with your famous final words? Uh, are they that famous? I, I don't know anymore. I think I think uh, I like your sign off, John. And uh, look, you started the show. You're hosting right. it. You should finish it. All right. Miles, big thank you uh, for stopping by today. Same to you as well, Nick. Uh, for those of you tuning in, um, thank you as well for stopping by. And you know the drill. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.